This fellow James, he had a lot to say for himself that we're looking through. We, we, we thought we'd do a series on James, and we've got up to verse 26 now. Uh, and I've got two verses to talk about today. So I reckon we'll probably be finished on this, what do you reckon? 2017? Something like that. We're not entirely sure who James was. Most people seem to think that James is probably Jesus' half-brother. Half-brother, because he didn't actually have the same father, without getting too theological. But lived with Jesus when he was growing up, and would have shared a lot of the, the, the home background, and gone through the same sorts of things that Jesus went through when he was growing up. And the thing is that the book of James really is very different to the books of Paul. And there's just like a real rubber hits the road about James. Bye, everyone. Have a nice time. Ours is more fun. And, um, and James, actually it's recorded in John 7, didn't really believe in Jesus in his earth, well, didn't believe in Jesus in his early ministry, um, and actually came to believe in Jesus. I kind of imagine if Big Brother suddenly declared himself to be the Son of God, it would be somewhat difficult to take. But actually, then Jesus appeared to James after the resurrection specifically. And there are strong parallels between everything that James is teaching here and what Jesus brings up in his parables. And um, it really does leave little squirm room, little room for nodding off in the back row. Because really, what he's saying is, if you've got faith, prove it. So we need to be clear that whilst we passionately believe in a gospel of grace, God's undeserved goodness has reached out to me where I am before I ever did anything to deserve anything. And in fact, I've never really done anything to deserve anything even since. God's undeserved goodness has reached out to me and placed me in a, an amazing situation before God, that I can touch him, that I can know him, that I can hear from him, that I can be with him. He's done all that to save me for the life I'm meant to live. I was made to live. And in living that life for him, that's how we become the body of Christ. James 1.26 puts it like this. If anyone considers himself religious and doesn't put a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Well, how many of you would consider yourselves to be religious? Oh, none of us. None of us are religious. Well, that's okay, so we don't need to keep a tight rein on our tongues because we're not religious, are we? See, actually, isn't that funny? That word, religious, really conjures up something completely different to most of us. It means about our, I suppose most of us would think it's about our effort to get to God. We'd say it was about rules. We'd about, say it was about what we do of ritual, of process. So is James saying that this is a good thing? Well, actually, the word religious here doesn't mean that. You'll be surprised to know. To be religious is to be fearing or worshipping God, to tremble before him, to be fearful of him, to be honouring of him. 
So what he's saying is, if you consider yourself to be honouring of God, if you consider yourself to be worshipping him, like we just have been doing, if you consider yourself to be in a place that is honouring to God, you've got to put a tight rein on your tongue. The, the um, message version puts it like this. Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air, and only hot air. So this kind of religion that's talked about here, let's not get confused. This is good religion. This is about walking out our whole life in worship of God. And that's what he's saying. If you're going to consider your life to be worthy no, of worship of God, then, then actually, that, that's, what, that's what we need. We, 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 we need to put this thing, the tight rein on tongue. We'll talk about, about that in a minute. We've talked about it earlier, but right now, I need three volunteers. Robin, I can see you smiling at me. You'll do it, won't you? Sam's wishing I didn't look at him. I'll take these three on the end. Come on, PJ. PJ's always good. Sam... Robin. Right, what I want you to do, this is a very important and significant test, okay? Right. It's very complicated. On the chair, stand next to the chair, please, everybody. Okay, now that you stand, you'll find there's a space on that side. That's right. That's right. Robin, don't stand on that side because it would be bad. Okay. okay. Now, what they're going to do before you, after a drum roll, is they're going to perform an amazing feat. They're going to empty a tube of toothpaste as quickly as they can. And there's a prize for the one who does it the fastest. Okay? You ready? Should we give them a three? Drum roll. Three, two, one, go! You must get it on the plate. No, no, not on the chair, PJ. Oh, it's going well. It's all got to come out. Come on, all of it. All of it's got to come out. We've got to do, you've got, oh, Sam. Sam. Oh, no, on the carpet, Sam. Sam has got most of it on the plate. And is there any left? Let's see. Oh, see, see. Uh, Robin, let's see. Oh, now that is, that is impressive. Uh, oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, PJ, what have you done, mate? Hey, hey PJ, uh, I can't get any out. <laughs> right, well, that's impressive. Right, I think by a process of being slightly more thorough but slightly slower, I think PJ may be the winner. Okay, so that was round one. Okay, round two, I want you to put the toothpaste back in the tube. Go. <laughs> now, you may have seen that before, but, of course, the point is you can't get it back, can you? You can't get it back. Once it's out there, you can't get it back. Okay, so go and sit down. That's fine. We'll leave that as a visual aid. Oh, it's dripping off the chair. Okay, cool. Oh, okay, thanks. Uh, you can rotate it then. Cool. Now, I know that a significant number... You might need to go outside and wash your hands. We'll let you go. You might have seen that before. I won't ask, because it will be embarrassing. But actually, there is a lot of truth in this. How is this relevant? Our words are just like that toothpaste. You just need to just apply a little pressure, 
something happens, and out it comes. But it's out there then. You try taking them back, and it, well, it just doesn't work, does it? Ever tried to retrieve an email? I can never do it. You send the email, and then you find, try and find this retrieve function. Never really understand what it's supposed to do, but it doesn't seem to take back the words that I've just said. And you remember I mentioned that James' teaching was so close to Jesus's. Let's have a look at what, Matthew, what is recorded in Matthew. Jesus said, uh, make a tree good, and its tr fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, he's talking to the Pharisees there, it's how to keep a crowd. How can, how can you who, say, who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. The good man stores up, brings good things out of the good stored up in him. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will be, have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they've spoken. For by your words you'll be acquitted, and by your words you'll be condemned. See, Jesus makes it absolutely clear that what comes out of our mouth matters. The check, if I want to, to, to know where my heart's at, I just have to look at what comes out of my mouth. Out of the overflow of my heart, the mouth speaks. So how is your heart? What comes out of us when we're under pressure? Do I bless or do I curse? Do I encourage or condemn? Do I forgive or do I judge? Jesus says the Pharisees are like vipers. I'm not entirely sure whether that's a viper, but we'll assume it is. It's certainly a venomous snake. Now, a venomous snake, by its bite, causes intense pain, paralysis, and death. I think Jesus was saying that those guys around them that thought that they were religious, by their words, were causing pain. By their words, they were binding people up. By their words, they were literally causing death in some cases. What do we cause by our words? Do we realize how powerful they can be? So the tree is proven by its fruit. If you go to a horse chestnut tree, you're not going to get apples. And if you, what you wanted was apples, you're disappointed. But we can be good trees, bearing good fruit. I remember, um, oh, I didn't give PJ a prize. You know, I'll keep you amused. Sorry. I remember, um, you know how we tend to remember Mark McGrath's little catchphrases? But one of the things about speaking was he said, he's always said, and it's funny for Mark because he does talk quite a lot, but he always says, I've got two ears and one mouth, so I need to listen twice as much as I talk. Which must mean for Mark, he does a lot of listening. <laughs> but, but seriously, is that, is that how you live? See, actually, the words that we use are powerful. Out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. And these two verses that we're looking at today, 26 and 27, I think are absolutely key to drawing us back to what's the heart of the issue, which is the heart that's at the heart of the issue. 
Because we can put a guard on our mouths, but as Jesus said, whatever's in your heart is what wants to come out. So we put a guard over our mouths because we know that by our words we can hurt, we can wound, we can injure. But Lord, change my heart that actually what comes out of my mouth encourages, strengthens, comfort. Okay, so that was, that was the first verse. There we go. Verse 2, or 27, as the case may be. Oh, I got this first. I've forgotten that. Hmm. Oh, that's weird. Oh, let's, let's have this now. Mm, now for a little break. Can you do that? Slips in, trying to fade into the faces. The girl's teasing laughter is carrying farther than they know, farther than they know. But if we are the body, why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? And if we are the body, why aren't his feet going? Why is his love not showing? Then there is a way. Cause there is a way. There is Sheds his coat and quietly sinks into the back row. The weight of their judgmental glances tells him that his chances are better out on the road. But if we are the body, why aren't his arms reaching? can choose who should come we are the body of Christ if we are the body why aren't his arms reaching why aren't his hands healing why aren't his words teaching and if we are the body why aren't his feet going why is 
James 1.27 says, religion, religion that, our, that, our, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Well, the first thing is obviously it's about this word again, religion. But we know that religion is not this thing about rules and regulations in this context. This religion is about worship. This religion is about connecting with the living one. So how about reading the word worship into the above? Religion, rather worship that, our God, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, I'm going to look at those three things I've underlined there, the pure and faultless, the orphans and widows, and polluted by the world. Religion that's worship that's pure and faultless encompasses, this is not just about singing songs on a Sunday, this is about our whole way of life, okay? So religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself... Being, from being polluted by the world. So, I think in what my three friends have shared, what we shared together there, you know, you can see that actually these nets are long-reaching, far-reaching. And different ones of us are involved in different ways. I just want to spend a few moments looking at the other part of that verse, and then, and then we're going to finish so, I just, I just think, because what James writes here, he says, this is what you need to do. But he's also recognizing that, actually, when you're in that position of caring for those in the world, you can become tainted or sprayed back with stuff. And he says, you need to prevent yourself from being polluted by the world. Jesus talks about it as being his body that are those that come after him, that we would be in the world, but not of it. Jesus said, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they're not of the world any more than I of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one, for they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. See, this is a life that God has rescued us for, that Jesus has reached down to take hold of us, to put us in that place where we can be reaching out. So how is it that we keep ourselves apart but within? Separate yet alongside. 
See, pollution can come from all sorts of places. Pollution comes from everything outside, doesn't it? comes from what we see, what we look at, what we, what we browse, what we listen to, that is what we hear, what we read, what we feel, our reactions, what we touch. I think that speaks for itself. What we taste. You know, some of these are unavoidable. There are some people that God gives us to be alongside that stuff just splurges out of. But God's equipped us to be in the world, but not of it. You know, Jesus said, nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. Someone wants to pray, Dear Lord, so far today... I've done everything right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. And I'm very thankful for that. However, in just a few moments, I'm going to open my eyes and get out of bed. And from then on, I'm going to need a lot of help. Um, And that's how some of us feel. It's like we just start taking steps and we get things wrong. But what, what Jesus is saying here is that actually it's not what's out here that's the, the issue. The issue is what's in here. And we have a divine heart surgeon. We have one who can reach in and take out our heart of stone and give us a, a new heart. And that's, I think, where I want to, to finish. Um, you know, God has made us absolutely white by the power of his grace working in us. Um, I heard someone once talking about them being somewhere and they were wearing a white suit and uh, one of their children was, partic- was at a wedding, it was a special event and uh, one of their children had been eating a chocolate biscuit and it was a hot summer's day and they were covered in chocolate and the child came towards them like this and he started running in the other direction <laughs> because no, although he loved the child, he, he just knew that he didn't want... You know, actually... How clean do you think you are? Because actually, there are things that we just put up with in our lives because we just used to being dirty. But God's made us clean. You know, many of the reasons why, or the main reason why, we have habits that are hard to break is because it's not about this stuff out here. You know, um, well, I always get quick-tempered when it's, when it's hot. No. When it's hot, you show what you really like. I always, that person always really annoys me. It's that television program. It just sets me, me thinking in that way. No, it's there. Out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. God's promised to give us a new heart. So, I don't want to... The whole scripture, by the way, the thing about what Jesus said, anything outside can't make you uh, unclean. Unclean means, by the way, unacceptable to God. Right? If we're clean, he, he accepts us. So we're always clean. In Mark 7, you can have a look at it. Mark seven eighteen. I'm just going to Skip over that bit. Just want to finish with this. You see, 
Prophet Ezekiel gave God's promise to us when he said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And that's really what I, where I want us to finish. We've talked about our words. We've talked about our actions. But when those things aren't right, they're normally a sign of something in here. I don't know what the issue is for you, but I do believe that God's bringing us back to a place where we're talking about, just as core team the other day, we were, we were talking and uh, Mark had had a picture earlier of a, of a lake that was completely clean on the top, but that God wanted us to be dredging the, the rubbish out from the bottom. Remember, from the leaders' weekend, we had that picture of a vase that was only that that much space because there was a whole load of junk down here that God wanted to clean out and that God wanted that process to continue. I think that for many of us that process just needs to continue. And um, God's promise, this is God's promise, I've written it here, that you can be free. That's funny because that's where we were heading with the worship this morning. You can be free but the real question is do you want to be free? Do you want to be free from the pollution of the world? Because God's equipping is there for us. Let's just pray. Father, thank you that you have given us your word as a, as a sword to cut through our excuses and, uh, and mutterings that you pierce right through to the heart. So Lord, we recognize that where our hearts are still hard, Lord, we ask you to create in us the new heart, the new spirit. Place that in us that we can be the church that you want us to be, the body that you want us to be. Lord, speak to us clearly where you're drawing things to mind that need to be dealt with, that we've grown used to. Would you raise the temperature that we just realize that your grace is so much better. Your love is so much stronger. Thank you, Lord. Amen.